What's good, podcast listeners? You are tuning in to Your Mind, Your Narrative. My name is Jason Jamera. I'm a Philly-based psychiatric mental health NP graduate, a community advocate, and a Bay Area-raised child of Filipino immigrants. While this podcast is not a substitute for professional therapy, the focus of this series is to shine light on and provide my folks back home with helpful therapeutic techniques and understandings of shared day-to-day mental health experiences as they intersect with different backgrounds from our professions to our cultural narratives and other identities. Interview episodes such as today's will offer insight from professionals and heroes who have experienced being on both sides of the field, who have had to or continue to address their own inner work while also being a healing ear for others. I'm committed to amplifying the voices of real hometown heroes who are on the ground watering their community daily in their own way. Today's episode gives us a look at how a single mother learned to navigate the mental health battle that her children faced, and how that inspired her to shift careers from corporate world to now serving as a psychiatric consult liaison and lead director of her department. I'm really excited for this one, so thank you for tuning in. All right, everybody. So today we are joined by my mentor and preceptor, Kim. How are you doing, Kim? I'm good. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming in today. My pleasure. So can you give us a little background about, well, how do you define your narrative? Um, Well, I'm a second career nurse or nurse practitioner. I Mm -hmm. actually started my career in finance, um, learned very (laughs) quickly on that um, the corporate world was not the right position or environment for me. Um, I needed to work, I felt like more directly with people one-on-one and felt, feel like I was making an impact. And, um, and anytime I I was in a hospital setting for, you know, family or for myself, um, just kind of felt left out, Mm -hmm. uh, that there's another language being spoken that I wanted to be a part of. So, um, I didn't go back to school. Actually, I had, you know, I have uh, two children, um, waited to go back to school until my late 30s, and I became an ER nurse. I started actually level one trauma right mm-hmm. away in Philadelphia. And um, while doing that, <clears throat> excuse me, why I loved it, I realized you know, this isn't something that I could sustain into, you know, close to retirement years. And because of, of many experiences, both professionally and personally, um, I, I just love, love psychiatry. So mm-hmm. pursued a career as a nurse practitioner in psychiatry. Great. And for everyone listening, Kim is the one who teaches me how to do psychiatric consults. So, Kim, can you talk to us about what this career is? Sure. Uh, so, consult liaison, mm-hmm. also psychosomatic medicine, is um, basically it, it's a psychiatry consult service in a hospital, medical hospital setting. So, uh, it, it's vast and varied what we do and the type of patients that we see. Uh, in the emergency department, we see a lot of patients who have psychiatric emergencies or some other, you know, medical emergency with a psychiatric component. Um, our job it, in the emergency setting, really, if it's a psychiatric emergency, is to go in and to evaluate the patient, um, help if, if there's agitation with medication, non-pharmacological um, interventions as well to, to 
make for a safe environment and help stabilize a patient. Uh, And then also to determine uh, disposition for a patient. So whether or not they require voluntary versus involuntary placement, if it's someone that we can help set up for outpatient resources. Um, And we work very closely with the uh, social work team, especially Uh, also people coming in with with, uh, who are intoxicated or might be psychosis or psychotic because of, uh, um, a drug-induced psychosis or, mm-hmm. uh, or or simply a psychiatric condition. And then on the inpatient side, we are throughout the hospital. We're in the ICUs. We're in step-downs. We're in med-surg uh, for lots and lots of different reasons. So we see patients who have delirium, who are going through withdrawal, who might be having an adjustment disorder related to a new significant diagnosis, a medical diagnosis. Uh, or just coming in to help with the medication management from the psychiatric component. If a patient's coming in um, it, with a medical illness, but they also are taking certain psychiatric medications, we'll help manage that and, and consult for that. Mm-hmm. So you work with the rest of the medical team when yes. no one else is paying attention to the psychiatric issues of this person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... Um, yeah, that's our that's our specialty, right? So it just mm-hmm. says, you know, you, you have a patient who's here with, with diabetes, they're going to call, you know, endocrinology in or, 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 you know, something for cardiac, you know, arrhythmia or something, they'll call the, the cardiac team and psychiatry gets called in as well to mm-hmm. help manage those conditions. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of peers who want to become psychiatric nurse practitioners, but they're ER nurses or ICU nurses, mm-hmm. and they're afraid of losing their skills or they're afraid of like losing that like medical background. Mm-hmm. So would you think, would you say that psychiatric consult is like a way of keeping all that together? That um, is a fabulous question. I love that question <laughs> because it's so true because, I, you know, and as I've said to you many mm-hmm. times, you know, during the sortation for you is that in order to do the consult liaison or CL role, you really do need that medical background, that medical nursing background. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, that's more important than the psychiatric background. You're coming in as an as a NP um, because you need to see the patient in the full picture because you're, you're dealing with patients who are, you know, a lot of them are, are critical medical status and you need to understand these disease processes, the medications they take um, and be able to effectively manage the, the psych, um, psychiatric medications with all these medical comorbidities and, uh, and obviously be able to communicate with a wide array of, of um, team members taking care of the patients. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you just provide people psychotherapeutic support. Mm-hmm. You know, some people, would you say, don't need medications and they just need someone to talk to because they're going through a really low part of their life. Mm-hmm where they're having a medical issue in which they have no control over themselves anymore. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I also work in in the outpatient setting as a psych NP. And it's something I frequently tell, you know, patients is that, you know, medication isn't always the end all be all. It's not always the answer for somebody. You're right. Sometimes people just need or Mm -hmm. need psychotherapy. So absolutely, you know, we provide that resource in the hospital setting too for people. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, there's also people who still need medications mm-hmm. and we're trying to help them with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes it's a combination. And then, mm-hmm. you know, we're less apt to start a medication just say for, you know, an anxiety or depression or even an adjustment disorder, obviously depending on the individual circumstances. But if it's something that, you know, somebody's starting on an antidepressant, just say for um, more, more generalized depressive episode, we're, we're less likely to start it in this setting because we're not doing the follow-up outpatient. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it just, it's so individualized too. 
Yeah. Can you explain why we wouldn't start it here? Why they need that outpatient follow-up? Well, I mean, I guess times that we would just say start something for, let's see, a medication that needs to be followed, not you know, as, as much for, you know, just straightforward depression, but like lithium, right? Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, follow the labs on that. You have to, you know, follow, um, uh, you know, like a renal function or... Um, Excuse me. So you want to make sure that person has that follow up. If you're prescribing a medication that requires follow up and you know the patient doesn't have follow up, it's really not in that patient's best interest. It's actually could be dangerous for them. So we'd be less apt to start that. Now, on the, on the flip side, if, you know, patient is followed by a psychiatry, um, then we would go ahead and collaborate with, with outpatient team. And actually, that's a really important part of what we do is collaboration with outpatient teams. Definitely. And then how do you get recepted by other, you know, non-psych professionals when you're doing this collaborative care? Uh, Do you mean on the outpatient side? Either, like, yeah, either or. Okay, so, well, on the outpatient side, it's... It's it's so appreciated mm-hmm. um, when we do make the, those calls. You know, we reach out to psychiatry or general practitioners, even sometimes you know cardiology or other specialties. Uh, say, hey, you know, I'm taking care of your patient in this hospital setting. I see that you prescribe X, Y, and Z. This is what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we work together for this? What? How would you like me to manage some of this? And just having that input from a provider that's been taking care of a patient, just say for years, is so appreciative. Appreciated, and plus it it provides better care for your patient. Mm-hmm. I know on the flip side, as I mentioned, working on the, that I work on the outpatient side also to receive those calls is wonderful because it's, it's so much better for a patient outcome to have that collaborative care. Mm-hmm. And then on the inpatient side, I can't say enough good things about the place I work, the mm-hmm. hospital I work in, because everyone has been so, so um, receptive to me being here and just working as a team for better patient outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm the only psychiatric provider in this hospital for the last 10 years that's in-house. We primarily re- rely on telepsychiatry. So having someone here has been wonderful for our patients and yeah. And it's been very supported by everyone here. Yeah. Just for everyone listening who wants to become a psych NP, that's a really different but really great example of like how high you can go in your career, basically. Because it is a really different situation here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. very unique. So typically uh, a consult liaison uh, service in the hospital, that there be multiple providers in mm-hmm. that setting providing that service. So yeah. this, is, this is, yeah, very unique here in the setting. Yeah. And it's very important because we don't have enough psychiatric providers in general like we're low on psychiatrists we're low on psychiatric NPs and we still need more (laughs) absolutely I tell people all the time Mm -hmm. who want to go into this profession Mm -hmm. um, no matter what area of psychiatry you want to go into there's a need there's a tremendous need for it yeah so I want to go back and kind of discuss what brought you into psychiatry you you gave us an example of like or you gave us a description on what brought you into healthcare from finance in the first place, mm-hmm. but what shifted from ER to psychiatry? So there's um, several reasons I went into psychiatry. One mm-hmm. of them being working as an ER nurse uh, in, in Philadelphia. Um, I saw a lot of things, a lot of disparities in our healthcare and in our mental healthcare for mm-hmm. our patients. You know, we have suicidal patients with, you know, we, bleeding wrists from, from self-inflicted wounds sitting in a hallway and mm-hmm. uh, with, you know, people maybe laughing or, or not being appropriate around this patient who's having a severe, severe um, mental health crisis yeah. or, or just we're not showing really 
the empathy that our patients in crisis really need. Um, and just feeling that we, we, we could do better. So that was one part of it. And also having um, seen a psychiatry consult come into the hospitals I worked in and just was all over it, <laughs> following the mm-hmm. residents and attendings around and wanting to learn more and more about it. Um, and the other aspect, and probably the bigger um, contributing factor to me going into this is my daughter. Um, as an adolescent, um, 12 and 13, she, um, she had several suicide attempts, um, was in psychiatric facilities inpatient, I think four, five times, um, lots of self-harming and navigating through the mental health system with her as a parent, as a parent, actually, this is prior to me graduating even from undergraduate nursing school, um, was awful. Mm-hmm. It was awful. There was, um, a profound lack of empathy for not only the patient, but for the family themselves and just a lack of resources. And I just, it really, it hit me hard that I I just wanted to be involved in this, in this field, knowing Mm -hmm. that we can do better. Yeah. There's many of us who battle severe mental illness and who have been, in this place of suicidal ideation or, you know, have heard stories of, you know, what it's like to be in this place. Um, but we don't often hear about what it's like to be the mother of somebody who, mm-hmm. you know, um, is is going through this. And so how did you navigate through the first time that this happened? Um, well, I will say I was a single mother with mm-hmm. uh, little support. Um, I... I don't even know. I, 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 you know, looking back, I'm not even sure how I navigated through it. I kind of, I let other people navigate it for me, if that makes sense. So, you know, they, with my daughter, they had found a journal at school with suicidal thoughts or, or things that she had written. And you know, guidance counselor said, you know, go get her evaluated at, at this place. So we went to this place. We had her evaluated. She ended up being, um, she, she went in involuntary for her first admission then. Um, but then, you know, a social worker calling me and saying, okay, this is what you have to do next and doing that and not really understanding how to navigate through the system, just being directed by other people, knowing what I know now and knowing that the types of resources and knowing, um, what's available for, for care. It would have been a very different scenario. Um, also not having the knowledge in psychiatry in general, you know, hearing these different diagnoses or, or, or different terms or medications. I knew nothing about it at the time. I tried to do some research, but it wasn't enough. So I just, I, I would have been more proactive had I known then what I know now, I would have been more proactive. So that's why one of the other reasons being in this field, especially in the consult field or uh, role and doing my consults in in the ER and working with parents as well, um, just really, really providing them that support and, and giving them a voice and telling them, you know, you're able to advocate more than you realize for, for your child mm-hmm. is just a very, very... Um, amazing experience yeah. the role to be in something that would come up often is uh you know in consult you're working with people who have come who are coming in from medical concerns so it's different from other outpatients because they're coming in for psych- psychiatric concerns mm-hmm. so how do you help people navigate their first you know like their first 
instance of a medical of a mental health mm-hmm. issue mm-hmm. you know and their families also who maybe like are trying to say oh no this is just medical um mm-hmm. and are still trying to come to terms that their family member might have a psychiatric issue um so so it's, it depends yeah. because there's so many different scenarios that that falls under so you know it just say it's somebody coming in and and what we see um more and more actually or or somebody maybe um you know a teen or um young adult who comes in with a first episode psychosis who has some type of undiagnosed uh psychotic disorder um just you know it's hard. It's individualized and just really providing insurance for the parents that, you know, I, I'm, I can't give you a definitive diagnosis for what this is. I can treat why you're here in this hospital setting, but there's so many options, you know, really it's, um, I try and emphasize, you know, the, the recovery model of care for people that, you know, really on the premise that there is help available. There are resources available. I'm not, I can't obviously define what the future looks like for you or your family member, but I can tell you there's a lot of help out there and, and really providing people with resources and reassurance that this might be going on now, but it doesn't mean that your loved one can't have a productive life. Yeah, absolutely. There's yeah. so much treatment out there. Yeah, As long absolutely. as they start, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, for everyone listening, psychotic uh, symptoms or disorders can really involve like audio hallucinations, like visual hallucinations, you're seeing things that other people aren't seeing, uh, maybe you're feeling things crawling your arms, sometimes those are more medical um, rather than the audio and visual ones. But also you might have delusions that are out of touch with reality, you might feel like the TV is talking to you or like it's giving you messages or you might feel like someone's out to get you um, in which it's not based in reality. Mm-hmm. However, what about when, uh, you know, someone's child is coming in with suicidal ideation or a suicide attempt. What is your advice to, to mothers or to, to parents in general um, in navigating this with their families? So, um, and I will say that there, there's um, such an uptick in this right now. It's so unfortunate, especially there was prior to, to COVID and it's even more so now, mm-hmm. you know, we, we are seeing as predicted the second pandemic. Um, especially with suicide of our youth. Um, one of the most important things that one of the biggest uh, pieces of advice that I was given when I was going through this with my daughter that I try and provide for family as well is I do ask the question, what type of support do you have as a parent? What type of support do you have for um, for your child's siblings as well or anybody else involved? Um, because mental health, especially um a suicide attempt or um, impacts the whole family. Mm-hmm. And it's so important that everybody receives care. Yeah. And um, I just think that's a huge component that, that is, is often left out yeah. of, of the care of the patient. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's a vital part of it. Um, so I think that's the biggest piece of reinsurance that, that or yeah. advice, I, guess yeah. I should say, that I add in. Yeah. And then just in lieu of like Mental Health Awareness Month and just stigma that exists, um, I've had, you know, uh, mothers who will say like, what did I do wrong mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, when, when this happens? So what would you tell them? What would you talk to them about? It's so easy for parents to blame themselves. I know I certainly mm-hmm. have as well. Um, 
I mean, it, it, it only goes so far to say it's not your fault, but, mm-hmm. you know, just, just sitting down and having that conversation and, and, and reassurance as to why genetically, you mm-hmm. know, c- certain people, certain individuals are predisposed and then our environment as well. Like there's so many things that our children, um, in this generation are growing up with that I know m- myself and my generation we're not exposed to, you know, particularly, you know, with social media and, and the demands placed on, on our youth now mm-hmm. with social media. And um, so just kind of reassuring the parents that, that there's so much of this that is not in their control, if any mm-hmm. of it really is, um, just giving them that reassurance that there's several, several components yeah. that play into it. Okay. And I know there's like mothers who, or upcoming mothers who might have depression or might have anxiety or some other mental illness and they're scared that you know their child will inherit it how would you like what advice would you give them to you know how how to really start having these conversations with their kids and you know start building this connection sooner so that they can address it sooner you open the conversation Mm -hmm. and um it's it's a lot of listening, right? Mm-hmm. So we had one of our speakers. Um, we've been doing all, all month for Mental Health Awareness Month. We've been having speakers come in and, and speak to the hospital staff. Uh, we had a child adolescent psychologist who runs a lot of groups. First, when the local high schools come in last week, and you know, re- really, it's about opening the conversation with our kids and um, not making things defensive for them and. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing he said was about opening the conversation by stating observations rather than saying to your children, you know, what's wrong, what's bothering you, this and that. Uh, you know, a child who comes home from school uh, goes right to their room and spends hours up there and say, hey, I noticed that you were upstairs. When you came home, you went right upstairs in your room for, for a couple of hours. Hey, what's that about kind of thing? And just, you know, not like really accusatory, but just opening the conversation rather than I see that you're this, I see that you're that and mm-hmm. just, you know, really non-judgmental, and, and really understanding as parents that we don't know everything going on, obviously in our child's lives, there's only so much control that we have. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Thank you. And just like maybe two last questions. Sure. What would you, what advice would you give to your younger self who is, you know, just starting this field and this career now that where you are at now? Well, I would have given my younger self advice. I should have started this sooner. I wish mm-hmm. I would have done this um, like 15 years earlier than I did. Um, you know, for whatever reasons in my life, it, it, it didn't happen until later on, but there's just so much to learn. Never stop learning. I mean, that we hear that all the time. This is a never ending learning process and it's, Take it all in mm-hmm. and uh, keep, just just keep going forward with it. Gotcha. And is there any message that you'd want to give your daughter if she ever heard this? Oh, gosh, we talk all the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, just to, you know, keep doing what you're doing and believing in yourself. She just graduated college, you know, mm-hmm. after three years and she's doing great. She's um, you know, going off to travel the world soon when COVID is over hopefully soon. And then actually she plans to be a trauma psychologist. So just keep doing what you're doing and sharing your story. And that was one mm-hmm. thing I will say that, that um, I always encourage her to do was to share her story. Mm-hmm. To, so it's less stigmatizing and, and you never know who you're going to help along the way. Absolutely. Cause we heal so much from 
healing others and sharing with others. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And in a way, if you look at it too, as far as, you know, any type of trauma that someone's been through, the more that we share our stories as well as a form of exposure therapy, if you look at it that way as well. Yeah. So it helps ourselves and it helps other people as well who are struggling. We may not realize. That's true. That's true. All right, Kim, thank you so much for joining us today on Your Mind, Your Narrative. And to everyone listening today, remember you are loved, you are worthy, and you belong in this space. Thank you. everybody if you enjoyed this interview please do me the favor of leaving a review and if you have any questions feel free to hit me up at your mind your narrative at gmail.com lastly you may have noticed that episodes are now every other week i've been really caught up with some community projects right in the ground here in philadelphia and also just doing my mental health and p work so i want to be able to provide you quality episodes therefore the episodes will come out every other week And I'm going to make sure that there is stuff that you'll really gain something from. Peace out, everyone. And thank you so much again for tuning in to Your Mind, Your Narrative.